0: It's okay to get along with people you disagree with. In fact, it's critical that we all try to put ourselves in other people's shoes because I believe that we all have the same hopes, desires. You know, we're all inspired by the same kinds of things. We want to love and be loved.
1: That's the one and only Russell Simmons, and this is The Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, how you guys doing? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Welcome to the Rich Roll Podcast. The show where each week I sit down with thought leaders, paradigm-breaking minds and personalities across all categories of health, wellness, diet, nutrition, fitness, science, entrepreneurship, mindfulness, meditation, spirituality and the like. And the idea behind all of this is to help all of us, myself included, unlock and unleash our best most authentic selves thanks so much for tuning in today i appreciate everybody who is sharing the show with their friends and on social media and of course massive shout out for everybody out there who is making a habit of using the amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your amazon purchases it really does help us out a lot the banner is right there at richroll.com on the podcast page can't miss it uh and it's a great way to support the show doesn't cost you anything extra on your amazon purchases but it really does Put some much-needed wind in our sails so that uh, I can do what I do here. So thank you so much. Uh, pretty pumped about this episode. I've got Yogi meditator, hip-hop pioneer and entrepreneur, extraordinaire Russell Simmons coming at you in a couple few to talk about his life, his path, and his new book, "The Happy Vegan." He's a super interesting cat but first. We're brought to you today by On. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media, this beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadney. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. All right, everybody. I got to tell you guys up front, right before we get into the interview, that this is perhaps my most unique conversation to date for a wide variety of reasons, which I'm going to get into in a second. It's with the Empresario of Hip Hop, the vegan entrepreneur, yogi, and meditator himself, Russell Simmons. Uh, this guy is a straight up pop culture icon. Most people are familiar with Russell, his story, his entrepreneurship. But in case his name is brand new to you, I thought we could do a brief bio and break it wide open. In 1984, Russell co-founded Def Jam Recordings with Rick Rubin, and he quickly rose to prominence as this guiding force in the quickly growing cultural revolution that became hip-hop. And he did it by championing all its breakout stars. Def Jam became the label, signing all the movement's forerunners, acts like LL Cool J, Public Enemy, The Beastie Boys, and, of course, Run DMC. But Def Jam was just Russell's first step in empire building. Before selling Def Jam to Universal Music Group in 1999 for $100 million, he formed Rush Communications, and he began branching out into a wide variety of interests, everything from management to apparel, film and television projects like The Nutty Professor and Crush Groove. And his current holdings include a vast array of interests and philanthropic efforts, including All Deaf Digital, Argyle Culture, Rush Card, Global Grind, and even a yoga studio play in development called Tantras. And all of this is fascinating, of course. But what most interests me about Russell is his personal journey, how discovering yoga and meditation ultimately led to his embrace of veganism, and how all of this has tremendously influenced his life, his business, and of course, his advocacy. And I think it's really rare to find an entrepreneur, a pop culture icon of his stature, who is so open, honest, very human, uh, outspoken, and really devoted to raising consciousness around the issues of the day. Issues like the horrors of animal agriculture, the declining state of human health, particularly in African-American and lower socioeconomic demographics, and the disastrous state of our planet's environmental health. And today we unpack all of it, everything from the impact of yoga and meditation on the evolution of his personal consciousness, this karmic debt accrued by virtue of our cultural addiction to animal products, the ecological havoc and deleterious health implications of the standard American diet, the responsibility he feels to be a change agent, and of course it's all about his new book, The Happy Vegan, which is this really easy-to-digest primer on all of the aforementioned issues with basic, comprehendable, and budget-conscious solutions for improving personal and planetary health through simple diet and lifestyle alterations. I will say this. I usually try to architect the general direction of my conversations. I have this idea of where I want to start and where I want to go with my guests. Uh, this is not one of those conversations. <laughs> Again, probably my most unique podcast, primarily because I don't really think I was ever in control of this, of this conversation. I was definitely not in command here. Uh, I'm not quite sure about how this one is going to land. There was a little chaos here. We did the interview in his office. The door was open. People were coming and going. Uh, and when it was all said and done and the dust settled, uh, I wasn't quite sure what exactly had transpired. And I suppose it goes with the territory when you interview someone this busy, someone with this level of charisma. It's part of the vibe that makes Russell, Russell. Uh, And I loved every minute of it. Uh, And I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. Uh, Lastly, before we get into the interview, I've got a special guest coming on right after Russell for a short segment. So please stick around for that. I promise you guys it is worth it. And a final note, uh, this episode is chock-a-block with expletives. And... Generally, I keep things clean and family-friendly here, uh, but it's more important to me to be real, to be authentic, and, of course, allow my guests to be who they really are. And Russell's just a guy who rolls thick and deep with the language, just who he is. And to edit it out or to bleep it out, I think would just hit a false note. So just a heads up if you're queasy about this kind of stuff or you got kids in the car or whatever. In any event, uh, let's dig on Russell. Without further ado... Enjoy my conversation with Russell Simmons. Movie project?
0: Yeah, some film project talking about this great script, kind of good script. I mean, good script, uh-huh. good idea, depressed <clears throat> comedian. Everybody doesn't know, like I know, like everybody in Hollywood knows, or anybody who lives in this circle knows that the comedians are generally depressed people. Yeah. So it's a script about a guy who's, you know, is a writer, writes comedy, almost kills himself does kill himself. I think if I made it, he would almost kill himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't like depressing endings usually. I didn't like the end of Birdman. I don't know why the fuck he had to go out the window. Do you know why he went out the window, Simone? Did you want him to die? Want him to die? A, did a he die
1: or did he fly? He,
0: uh, uh, I think he died. Yeah. That nigga he just jumped out the window and died. <laughs> He's, uh, never, he never flew before. He died. Uh-huh. That was stupid. His daughter looks up in the air. like, come on. I, I think it could have been okay if he just, came out of the thing and like, was thrilled to be alive. You know, mm-hmm. had a little bit of a revelation. I'm always happy with the revelation that it's okay to live rather than kill yourself. The, not the best ending for a movie.
1: So you're doing this outside the studio system?
0: Well, I, I mean, you I read it, it from a studio. They gave me, they want me to produce uh-huh. it. We're talking about it. We'll see if we can fix it. Right. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, that's I don't even know how that begins our conversation.
1: I don't, It's all right, man. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. It's been... Uh, Quite a media blitz for you the past two weeks. So yeah, thanks I, for uh, taking a moment with
0: me. Yeah, I you know, um, I really believe passionately in this subject, and I'm not sure if I should call this the poisoning of America or you know, depending on the radio show, the poisoning of Black America. You know, was there a conversation about, about the, was there a vegan.
1: conversation about the title?
0: Uh, yeah, I called the Happy Vegan because all my books are so happy, and I wanted people to be able to digest the ideas. You know, I'm not a, I'm not an angry vegan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like angry vegans. You know, I'm sure that Martin Luther King was happy Elijah Muhammad called a white man a devil. Mm -hmm. That's funny. It's funny because they got Martin Luther King a certain way. They got him as such a pacifist, nice guy. But he said a lot of tough shit nobody even ever talks about. And I think he liked that there was a really more uh, honest and um, and, and not even angry. I don't think the black Muslims were angry. They were just kind of straight. You know, they just said things that he didn't have to say. And they gave him the benefit of the anger that was brewing. I think militants uh, sometimes are part of a, a process.
1: Well, I think you need all voices. You know, you yeah, need, I'm always the bitch. You need, you need Malcolm X, and you need Martin Luther King. Right. I'm, only, a I'm always the
0: bitch. Yeah. I mean, right, Simone, you would say that? <laughs> Simone Reyes is an animal activist. She'll lay in there. In right, so
1: Simone's voice is different from your voice, and there's a place for She's, both of those yeah. in these conversations.
0: Yes. Well, we need Simone to throw some paint on somebody's coat. I mean, I'm, that's my friend's coat. I mean, I didn't want her to wear it, but... You know, he's, I but mean, that, shit like that, that's what she does. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: but that is the barrier, especially when you're, you know, doing mainstream media. You're sitting down at CBS this morning. I mean, you did. Yeah, you angry. You did? Uh, my good friend. Well, they accuse you of being the angry vegan when you're really coming at it from a really palatable, you know, sort of optimistic. I
0: said, I told Gail, Please. who I love, Gail King, who I love, good friend. Backstage, we laugh and talk everything. I said, I'm not an angry vegan. She got stage, said, I'm not an angry vegan, but she said it in a mean way. Mm-hmm. I told her. That fifty percent of African American women over twenty have heart disease. She said, "I'm healthy." I said, "I, ain't, I, I know you're but healthy." She's I assume You're, you're healthy. You are Oprah's best friend, and you, you have all the, all of the resources in the world, and you probably never ate anything non-organic since you heard about organic. And some of that stuff is actually organic. Some of it, right? So, mm-hmm. so there's that. You know, and and you have, probably have every. You know, she's probably doing cryotherapy. I just did it. Fuck ever been in there?
1: No, I'm, I want to try it, though. Oh, I go every fucking day. Yeah, somebody chance. died recently, though, doing that. Yeah, they that.
0: always say that. Every time I bring up cryotherapy, they say somebody died. <laughs> if you, go, if you, you bump your head and fall out in minus 300 degrees right, and I stay there the, for 10 hours, well, see I think what the, happens.
1: I think, in, I think the person that died worked at the facility and did it after hours, and there was no one there to like. Yeah, and she did the one that's that
0: on. only, um, uh, which is where most of them are. The most that they leased out are ones that are made out of hydrogen. The one in the tank is hydrogen and oxygen, and she put her head under the smoke. You get in the one that's hydrogen, and it has this thing that lifts you up. You can only lift it up from the outside. Uh-huh. So she's in the shit with her head in the hydrogen, inhaling the hydrogen. She fainted and she died. Right. Ten hours later, they found up. I guess she was frozen. Uh-huh. If you spit on somebody, it'll freeze up on their face the second it gets on them. It's minus three hundred fucking <laughs> degrees. But do don't you don't want to feel it? Like, what what does it. What does it feel like when you're feels kind
1: of invigorating. You know, yeah. did you? Do, I, it's in Larchmont, right? Is that the one that you did? No, the
0: one I did is right on La Cienega. Uh
1: huh.
0: <clears throat> and it's by the owners, so they have the big tank, which is cut, which has hydrogen and oxygen, and uh, it, it wakes you up, but it also puts you asleep. Like it, because for forty-eight hours, your body is racing back. The seconds you get in there, all the blood races to your heart, it cleanses all your organs and all this shit. Revitalizes uh-huh. a lot of stuff, and it, it, it gets rid of inflammation. And it's got a lot of benefits. They say and. Psychosomatic uh, idiot, um, asshole that I am, I believe it all. But well, what I feel part, good is I feel high after, and I'm yeah. a junkie, you know, yeah. I like high, high, anything gets me high. So, you know, morning meditation is a different high from late night drinking, but I like that best, right? And then there's shifts that I meant, but all, they all get high. Put this amino acid under your tongue. Oh shit, how'd that feel? Wow, I felt
1: yeah. that.
0: In fact, yeah. I have Oz sent me that shit, Dr. Oz Garcia, sent me the amino acid
1: he's been bragging about. Uh oh, you can get in trouble with that. You put under your
0: tongue, you know.
1: But yeah, uh, yeah it's cool. I, I, Tony Robbins swears by that. I think he's got his own chamber. Yeah, right? his own chamber. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, you know all about it. Yeah, Tony Robbins <laughs> yeah, has yeah. his own chamber. Um, LeBron, all see, it's the rich people. That's why you. I'm not. I'm not fucked up. Yeah, but a lot of people are. You know, underserved community members. And the book teaches people who don't. You know, necessarily have all the resources how to how to live as a vegan uh, lifestyle cheaply. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's the biggest thing, right? I oh, mean, call Adidas
0: you... too. I meant that. Too. the second thing you got to call Adidas. It's time now going to give me a vegan vegan
1: uh, line. They how do you you know time. how you overcome this idea that veganism, plant based diet is is really something just for the elite or the well heeled? Like, that's how are the you the challenge the, food the book. The
0: and... book talks a lot mm-hmm. about that uh, because I know that's a, a challenge. I'm also going to do a vegan soul food book. I just realized it's pretty much written, so I might as well do it. And it's like, it's easy, you know, it's like a lot easier than people think. And that's what um, people don't realize, don't, uh, don't, no one wants to promote. There's no interest in promoting how cheaply you can live a plant-based diet. And, you know, it's a small community. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of investment in companies like Beyond Meat, where they are studying the 40,000 plants on the planet. And the idea, and uh, what's the other one, Hampton yeah, Creek.
1: Hampton Creek. I had Ethan Hampton Brown Creek got a better Miami promotion, but
0: Ethan's shit is a little bit bigger. <laughs> they actually have mm-hmm. distributed every store. So, so Beyond Meat is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you can get it, like meat substitutes, because a lot of people, they're just so used to it. They need something that, you know, it's like you need methadone to get off heroin, right? That's what Beyond Meat, the meat stuff is. But the other stuff is beyond that. Uh, it's just healthy stuff that, that's it, that um, is good fuel, It doesn't give you cancer or diabetes or heart disease, Mm -hmm. which is what the animal product is is doing to a a great majority of Americans. Killing more people than any lobbyist. No lobbyist is fucking with the American people. Not even close. ISIS is not even in the running of a threat to America. No, we should talk about the uh, the FDA instead. FDA is the worst motherfuckers, dumb Mm -hmm. niggas. Murders. Well, there's this
1: idea that they they're, let it happen. they're mean, looking they just, out for our best interest, but people it can be assume further from that. the truth. Yeah, that's know?
0: that's the thing. They think—they assume always—people always trust in government. You know, I mean, our country, especially, you know, they're civilized society, they do civilized things, and then they abuse 100 billion animals per year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and they, then they say dominion over the animals.
1: Yeah, what are I, the subsidy numbers? It's like— Two, three billion or something like that? No, billion, 38
0: billion 38 money. Billion. 38 oh, wow, billion, billion dollars of American taxpayers' money go into making what they call affordable food, and, and it's meat and dairy. And the vegetable industry gets 17 million. That's mm-hmm. according to PETA. Right. They're going to sue the shit out I of me. Mean, I know they're coming after me, these fuckers.
1: Yeah, do you, are you concerned about that with this media blitz? Yeah, I'm not and- that rich, man.
0: <laughs> I don't really can't <laughs> afford to battle these niggas like that. I'm going to yeah. need help from the animal rights community. Mm-hmm. You fuckers better help me because I know I'm saying shit that, and it's traveling. I'm surprised I got only shows. I actually thought they would that? say my what? sponsors won't let me have you talk that kind of stuff on my. Yeah,
1: it is interesting. Well, I feel like they always have to temper it. You know, they'll let you say what you want to say, but then afterwards they'll be like, "Well, but you should be careful about this or that." I mean, so, so yeah, vegetables aside, suck too. That's y- got to Or just, well, I still like a little meat or whatever. There's always like an exit door. Right? I don't think she was doing it for the sponsors. She
0: was just defending herself. What was O'Reilly like? Uh, I knew O'Reilly this time. I did O'Reilly uh-huh. on the uh, last book when he went into that Beyonce oh, shit. And went uh-huh. got him. He actually believed in meditation. It was like, been on, uh, I went to visit O'Reilly when I was at Fox. I was on Fox News, on a bunch of Fox shows. I went up to his office. You know, I get along with everybody. So O'Reilly, he's my man. I like his, his daughter. His daughter is so sweet. She's a progressive. She doesn't believe a word he says. She's just like me, and she's only 14. Mm-hmm. And she's brilliant, and he's very lucky to have her. And I'm glad that she doesn't adopt any of his views. I don't think she'll grow up saying, oh, now suddenly I don't like people or now suddenly I'm angry, too. I don't think that'll happen. Mm. And he, you know, he's, to his credit, he says, yeah, my daughter's a liberal. We're sitting together at the table. Mm. You know, he, he's a smart conservative. Like, there's such a thing. Uh, my friend Glenn Freeman well, an might an not agree.
1: He's showman,
0: and He's a showman. No, no, he believes those. his shit. Does That's he? The yeah, on the he,
1: level that he, that, he, that he talks on, on fuck air? yeah, he believes it.
0: <laughs> so you niggas take drugs, go to jail. <laughs> he believes everything he says. Uh, what about the crowd? You know, he believes his stuff. Uh, that's why he's good at talking about it. You know, uh, Hannity believes this stuff, but he's stupid, so it's different. Mm. Or not, I shouldn't say that. He's not as smart as O'Reilly, who seems to have been more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a black guy on Fox. I can't believe this. this he, he told me that there's no global warming. I was like, did you forget, get, didn't get the memo, Republicans <laughs> stop saying that, <laughs> that you don't have to say that anymore because now you're starting to look dumb. Uh-huh. He said, no man-made global warming. And I looked at him. He's a black guy. He, I remember meeting him at Occupy Wall Street and, And he was was interviewing people, and everybody was mad at him just because of the tone he took. And um, he said, you're black. Like, don't you—you know, like, black people have one, one, one thing that makes them stick together. Jews have Israel. Blacks have poverty. Rich black people, don't give a fuck, they're Democrat. Mm -hmm. They hope that someone like Bernie Sanders will come along. They're happy to pay a little extra tax. They're happy to— to, to shift the paradigm. You know, they're they okay with it. They got too many broke cousins, I guess, not to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and just like uh, Jews, uh, for the most part, have Israel in common. They don't like each other for a lot of reasons. You know, you think the Reform Orthodox and Orthodox and the and Syrian Jews. and I mean, I know the whole communities, and they, they don't really, you don't trust that Israeli bastard. You know, one guy will say, right, because they're, they're, they're separate but equal, right, just like Latinos. Uh, And blacks have separation on many issues as well, but not on political choices, because no matter how rich you are, you know, you're still sucked in by your family. And, you know, no matter how selfish you think you are, you know that you'll be an asshole if you don't support anybody who supports the underserved communities.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I feel like you are, uh, you know, progressing through this evolution of consciousness that began with, you know, getting sober at 30, Finding yoga, then finding meditation, and then becoming a vegan, and it's kind of—I I followed a very similar track. I got out of rehab when I was 31. I found myself in yoga. This was back in quick little story. I mean, only girls, right? In, you and yeah. the girls. Well, here was the thing: I got out. Of, I got out of rehab, and I'm like, I need new friends. You know, I just need it to change my community, and I need to raise the vibration of the people that I'm hanging out with. I find myself in Steve Ross's yoga class. You too. This was like 98. Ninety nine, and that? there was Russell every night, and I became really good friends with Steve. I met my wife in that class, and that became like a lot my of wives in that class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, originally I was like, of all the yoga classes in LA, I was going to Steve's because there was a lot of, there was an <laughs> there were so many beautiful women in this class. You too? Yeah, it, it was, was insane really at, similar, at that time. Similar
0: path. I went yeah, to Steve yeah. Ross's class just for the women. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see you that much because mostly it was just girls and me. You were looking and at, at a the couple girls of gay guys. But it's funny because I remember there were no straight men in yoga. You remember that? I know
1: it was. Wasn't there was, that amazing? It was, it was you and Dennis Quaid would go from time yeah, he to time would that. But like him. Meg Ryan was going. On. I mean, there was it was crazy. Well, look, Meg at Ryan. Look, look all it,
0: Hollywood actresses. It was, it was. I know. Typical of what they make jokes about in Hollywood because you know Steve Ross is like he told me the last uh, problem Lord Buddha had was like pussy, Like okay. indiscriminate pussy too. Like that's a big
1: problem with the gurus. A yeah, but he said that Buddha's. was
0: Lord, Lord Buddha's last problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course, the temptress, as you remember, instead of Arthur.
1: <coughs> and I asked, my, I asked my wife this morning when I was leaving, I said, you know, is there anything you want me to ask Russell that's not, you know, an obvious thing? And she said, oh, yeah, just uh, she was remembering a time after one of Steve's classes going down the little elevator in that little shopping center and there. I tried to hit on her? And you were, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> maybe. But you were, you were tripping out at the time because you had some business deal that was going left on you and you were like i gotta i don't know if i could keep go doing all this yoga and meditation I, I gotta keep my eye on the ball with my business if i keep doing all this stuff i'm gonna lose all my money you know that like was something long, like, yeah, bobby, shrive always, that.
0: no, that's, bobby yeah, yeah, yeah. shrive always says mm. that I, I i said if i keep i was my first response to yoga if i if i keep doing all this shit i'm gonna lose all my money because those seconds of presence i used to think anxiety drove me and I know stillness drives me faster. Anxiety has no place in the workplace and no place in service. Uh, we're here to be present, awake, and smile in difficult poses and do our job. Do our, our dharma uh, is not served by being anxious and, and um, not thoughtful. You need to be thoughtful and awake. So yoga and meditation and these tools you have are meant to... As you know, the Yoga Sutras, the second sutra, is about yoga or Christ consciousness or nirvana or samadhi or uh, Taqwa for Muslims or whatever you call God consciousness. is a state of needing nothing or the, the end of the fluctuations of the mind stuff, the noise mm-hmm. in the mind is yoga or those things I mentioned or Christ consciousness, etc. So we want to quiet our mind. And then once that's done, we become so much more effective. So, the first chakra first, the Mulandara chakra first, because you can't serve the world unless you take care of yourself, Simone. Mm-hmm. Simone, because you're always out saving animals, Why are you calling catching her out a like cold. Could she be just doing shit like without taking care of herself?
1: Right. I mean, the translation. She's always of that saving is, yeah, animals, you, you, and she,
0: you can't save animals yeah. if you're sick.
1: You can't. You can't help others unless you tend to yourself first. Like, what attracted you to this yogi path? It's not to selfish to take
0: care of yourself first. If you're selfless, he,
1: the blind dog comes first. <laughs> All right. Well, the blind dog's gonna outlive you. Who's gonna fucking take care of the blind dog? I know. For the listeners, Simone Reyes is sitting right over here. Who, who? You've you've been Russell's assistant for a long time. Assistant,
0: right? Assistant, uh, uh, I think she takes exception Executive, like, how that. do you? Right. What?
1: I don't know what the t- what you would call, how you would define the relationship. Uh, now. Right. <laughs> uh, she's a film
0: <laughs> and television executive. Uh-huh. And she, you know, you know that's what she does from right. TV. But, but she was very my avid for a animal
1: activist, though. right? Of course, so. And she's sitting there with she's Yoda. Like, she's like Malcolm X. Yoda, the blind dog.
0: Right? Yeah, she takes care of... Except she spends time taking care of a blind dog. I personally <laughs> couldn't give a fuck about a blind dog.
1: <laughs> but,
0: I mean, I really don't care about animals as individuals. I don't understand how people could, you know, walk their dog with a fur coat. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't understand how we can worry about one animal saving the life of one animal. Of I do get, and it's in scripture, and certainly it's on the Nanda's translation of Yoga Sutras, the story about the boy throwing the starfish back in. You know this story? Mm-hmm. He's walking down the beach, throwing starfish back in the water. Thousands of them scattered across the the, the, the floor of the on um, the, the sand by the ocean. And the guy says, "You can't. Why are you trying to save these starfish? You can't save them." He said, and he threw the one in the water. He said, "Not that one. I did save that one." Mm-hmm. So that's the one at a time, and one at a time always seemed not fruitless, but not as fruitful. As making people aware of the massive suffering, but I think they need to be they need to identify Mm -hmm. to to really help. So it's kind of a little two-edged sword. But like the 200 horses, they say, "Oh, they did a good deal." And I said, "I don't give a fuck if you say 70 of the 210 horses." I don't want kids to see the horses, Mayor De Blasio, at all, because then they see our exploitation, our nasty habits, our lack of concern for life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it doesn't matter if there's less horses. I couldn't give a fuck about the 70 horses. And when I said it was a the Holocaust, they got all mad, Abe Foxman. I said the Holocaust was the 100 billion animals, 10 billion in America alone, birthed into a horrible life of suffering um, through rape and every other factory practice um, just to destroy the planet and poison its inhabitants. Mm-hmm. That's what I, That to me is... The, the big thing, and um, not saving one, the cow that jumped off the truck that ran away, and most cows couldn't run. It was amazing. Ran around right. through Queens. Everybody chased it. Finally caught the cow. Put it in the animal reserve. People visit the cow.
1: Yeah, like, well, it's like... But what, what about the other cow? fucking truck? <laughs> right. I mean, it's
0: like... I, I mean, it's I talked to
1: steak after we see the cow. I talked to Gene Bauer about this on the podcast a couple of times because, of course, at Farm Sanctuary, he's rescuing these farmed animals, right? And he can't rescue all of them, but it's almost like this symbolic act of just being in this place of being of service to these animals in whatever way that you can. So it's it goes back God to that starfish those analogy.
0: Who do have in t- high intention and do good work? Um, I know that that's it. They say the world is in perfect order, there's suffering, there's this, there's that, and And you have to live in it and be a servant of it. And that's the the spiritual path. I break from that path in some ways. But then again, I think it's still the same thing. Do the best you can with what you have. What I have is a voice that can talk about the hundred billion animals. The dolphins, they talk about the dolphins. Y'all want to talk about dolphins? Let's talk about it. It's fucking horrible. Y'all want to talk about the two hippopotamuses that got their head cut off or whatever? They take their tusks? Yeah, talk about it. Uh, We don't want extinct species, but it's not about each species. It's about each life. It's each life that matters. Rhinos? Rhinos. Whatever. I'm saying I I like that Shannon Elizabeth went to save some rhinos. I like that people are saving one or two animals. But the massive slaughter is the worst comic disaster in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. And that, to me... Is a focus that, you know, without the kind of compassion that saves one animal, then I guess we won't ever, you know, save
1: them all or change the way that we birth
0: them, treat them.
1: How uh, do you how do you think that you can most effectively get mainstream culture to remove this blind spot and get to actually, you know understand what is going on on a fundamental kind of legislative, regulatory, and commercial level with respect to how we're raising animals for food, because it's systemic. Like, we can all go vegan, and it, certainly that is the most powerful thing that we can do as an individual, on an individual yes. basis, to correct this horrific world. I mean,
0: do things like the happy vegan. Right. My daughter reads so my this books book are and very you, simple. They're just you, so simple. She laughs at him. My last book, she was 11. She read it about meditation, said it was remedial at best. This book is no more highbrow than that. It's simple. Mm-hmm. You can read it. Uh, I relied heavily on the, the damage that the factory farming industry is doing. It's an indictment of the factory farming industry in America. And, and it's um, a threat to your, your personal well-being. Uh, aside from it talking about the karma and aside from it talking about the destruction of the planet, all those things that are... Are, are very real reasons to go vegan, most people don't want heart disease. And if you're 20 years old or older and you're an African-American woman, it seems like you're 50% likely to have some kind mm-hmm. of heart disease. That should be, nu- uh, that should be enough to t- for some people. They're afraid for their life. They're, they're disconnected from the suffering. They don't believe the earth is going to stop spinning. It won't, but people won't be on it, but that's a different subject. Um, they don't believe in those things. They don't really, that doesn't touch them. But going to the doctor and getting a bunch of new pills and getting really sick is what touches them. Right. So the book relies a lot on that
1: as a way to transform the lives of the people mm-hmm. who read it. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit before the podcast. I mean, I read the book the other day. It's a very easy read. And it's very, it's very extremely digestible, right? So anybody could pick this book up, read it, you know, pretty quickly and completely understand where you're coming from. And also walk away with, you know, really practical tools and advice for how to make those changes. I don't know if you know this, but in the back where you have uh, a list of cookbooks, you listed our cookbook. So I have you to thank for that. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I think it it has the potential and the power to really impact a lot of people. And for that, you know, I'm I'm grateful that you've written the book. And and my hope is that, you know, millions and millions of people read it. Um, But as someone who kind of navigates uh, the highest, you know, upper echelons of culture and business, You know, when you're rubbing elbows with policymakers and CEOs, et cetera, it seems like, you know, the book is an effort from the bottom down to raise that awareness and and help people make that change. But how do we approach the problem from the top down? Well, with the people that are really, you know, responsible for policy.
0: You get people like Bernie Sanders um, and they say things. And everybody says, oh, yeah, well, what good is having them as president? they will never get the shit done. Everybody should have health care. Everybody should have a two-year education for free. Everybody should, you know, we should you know, raise the minimum wage dramatically. We should force people to have jobs on, on shore. We should tax corporations at a reasonable rate. We should help. We should not let the one-tenth of 1% get all the money. We should have some distributed amongst the poor, These ideas, we should stop global warming, stop allowing them to waste our resources on building out these cows and and, and other animals. But, you know, when you have leaders who have big voices like a president who says things, whether the lobbyists have every senator or congressman in their pocket or not, there comes a time when a Republican congressman stops saying there's no man-made global warming. There comes a time when the people are educated on one subject or another so much so that you can't say that shit anymore. Mm-hmm. You back away from the lobbyists like, I'm not fucking with you. What you're telling me to say is going to ruin my career. Your money can't even get me in office if I repeat what you're messaging. NRA convinced America they need guns. It's different. They got a little platform. Convince people that the president's trying to take their guns away. They got a you know good little campaign going. People believe this shit. You see, the president, but it's, well they're not wrong when they say the president wants to take guns. I thought it was so funny. He said, Michelle and I were riding, and Michelle said, I lived all the way out here in the woods somewhere. I lived by myself. I think I'd want a shotgun.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> he didn't say, yes, honey, that's a good idea. He just didn't say anything. Uh-huh. And what he really would like is to take everybody's assault weapon first and then their rifle, and their pistol. Like, yeah. He would like it. Then already, just, you know, you're right when you say the president would like to take all your guns. He wouldn't be wrong. He'd be like every other country that has good sense. But they have been convinced, and, he, so, and he's not going to be able to do it. Just All he did was try to enforce what laws we do have, and he's still there crying about it, bitch ass. It's unbelievable that they're so powerful. Lobbies running this country. We have to get rid of Citizens United. Two, two candidates both outsiders of saying how bad Citizens United is. Um, one who used to be my friend who said one of the most horrific things I, can, I can't imagine, I hope he wins the nomination, It's Trump. Mm-hmm. He said the best thing on stage, one good thing. I always watch him, entertaining as shit, uh, until he's president. It's really, but he said, he standing in the middle, he says, you know, money corrupts good people. He looked around the podium like, and all of the candidates looked like little girls with miniskirts skirts, that I uh, should have longer skirts on.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And it all looked like whores. And I was sad, but it was true. He said, but I was glad that someone said it, and it was funny that Trump was the one to say it. Bernie Sanders, of course, exudes that freedom, gets his money from underserved community members, stands up for them, and tells the truth in regards to the lobby in some some of the subjects that, that we care about.
1: Right. I mean, I think the first step is we have to change, eradicate, if not seriously change, campaign finance. Because oh, without yeah. that, then, you know, that changes the landscape with I lobbying wrote a, and um, everything.
0: This is a funny story. I, along with Dennis Kucinich, wrote a constitutional amendment that we introduced that was ratified by Occupy. It was the only thing Occupy, Wall Street ever all agreed on. And then we took it and I spoke to the Progressive Caucus. They said, great idea. Nancy Pelosi was like, this is fantastic, passed around an amendment, written really nicely, really simply, uh, and, uh, legal issues around campa- you know, um, um, campaign finance uh, regarding um, um, public funding. You had to be written in such a way that, was you know, so it was done. And all Democrats said, yeah, I want to do it. None of them really wanted to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Nobody. Nobody wants a mm-hmm. fair shot. I'm already congressman. Fuck, I'm going to give a fair shot away. I've been in Congress 22 years. You think I want my competitor to, have, to gain as much finance as I do? Mm-hmm. I want my, my guarantee, shoe in shit. Right. So nobody wants that. Not even Democrats, no Republicans, nobody.
1: They want so. it theoretically, but they don't want it to impact their personal <laughs> trajectory. Yeah, everybody wants you know? it theoretically. Everybody yeah. wants a, people to have a fair chance, you know, and ideas
0: to win and the people to give the ideas that they fuel that they need to actually get executed
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean so you know as somebody who like I, i i'm trying to like encapsulate your life and think about like the the evolution of like how you went from you know basically you know a kid who's doing a lot of drugs to all this success and kind of where you're at now and and you know i kind of analogize it to you know, taking the red pill in the Matrix when you start to wake up and you raise your consciousness and you start to become more and more aware of how, like, all of these systems function and your responsibility as somebody who you know is a leader and a and and you know a public figure to speak to these issues. i think a lot you of think, uh,
0: in my community. Uh, if I if I were to call well, I have lots of communities, but I mean, hip hop community. A lot of the guys are big, big voices, and the next thing you know, they're Realize that their voice is so valuable and by the time their star has diminished and their voice doesn't shine as bright. So therefore now they can't make a difference. All they can do now is be one of the people marching and before they could organize the march just by calling for it. People have 20, 30, 40 million Facebook followers. People have 25 million Instagram followers. It's unbelievable Mm -hmm. what they could do. Uh, every so often, you get one of them to, to Instagram something out or tweet something out that matters, and it affects change. Um, so I'm older, and I'm still breathing, and I'm still, in some cases, my, my shit travels. So I'm lucky. But you learn when you're older. They all learn something when they're older. It's mm-hmm. more than the money they made. Their purpose is higher than the music, the money, the art they exuded they, because now their purpose is enhanced... Their ability to execute on everyone's purpose is enhanced. Everyone is here as a servant. Everyone else, everything breathes because something else breathed before it. Every tree, every bumblebee, every, everything, it's all connected. If God were the ocean, we'd be cups of God. We are all servants of this one big living, breathing entity. You realize that more and more as you become older, for the most part. You can't help but eventually realize it. Mm-hmm. But maybe you know, may be, some people say over lifetimes. Like, say, if God were a straight line, you know, God or goodness, you walk this straight line. Yogis refer to choiceless awareness, thy will. Like, there's thorns on either side, and you're walking. You get out of line, you scrape the fuck out your arm. Other side, scrape the fuck out your arm. You eventually just walk straight. But it doesn't always happen instantly. So you get out of line, and shit feels good, and you float (laughs) and scrape your arm. You always scrape your arm. And then eventually, you learn to walk in order. This is what life, they say that's life's struggle or purpose, is to evolve, to move you towards this, this um, service space where you work with all seven chakras, including taking care of the self, without feeling selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your purpose is what's in your sahasara, the greatest chakra, this service chakra. But it's because you've taken care of all the other six. And right. It's the idea of non-harming becomes a natural first instinct. Online, on stealing, it's the brahmacharya control of all these. So the first of the eight parts of yoga, the second, the third, for all in order, all together, all of these scriptural recipes, the science of religion, mm-hmm. the sciences of the same one God, told by many prophets, over and over again in different languages, in different colors. You find out these things are true as you move more and more. So, I don't know how in the fuck the Pope can tell you a woman can't preach and not quite sure about, not judging, but not sure about gays. And But he doesn't know what dominion over the animals is. He hasn't said shit about the animals. Mm-hmm. How the fuck, you, did you not read the Bible? Dominion well, I think, I feel
1: like dominion of, over the animals is completely misconstrued and misunderstood. <laughs> by by them, if they
0: say it's okay to...
1: <laughs> well, dominion, I mean, what is that, what's the definition of that word? What does that mean? I mean, I, for me, like, I read that as a responsibility to tend and take care of. Yeah. It doesn't can... mean to, to dominate in the sense of, of destroy.
0: No, it doesn't mean that at all. And no one can really actually make a case for that. All they can do is, like, brush over it, act like it didn't happen. like never heard it. hmm That's what they're doing, they're being being, um, quiet on the issue because it's something that just read it quickly and forget about it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of plays into just take advantage, but you don't want to say it because it sounds stupid to say it. You know it's better than that. You know better than that. So it's an interesting um, discussion um, how religious people can have right in their scripture one thing and then do something totally different. Um, It's a reality we have in all religions. Um, I would think the Pope, such an enlightened person,
1: for the most part, would say that. What do you th- What was going on with you that attracted you to this yogi path in the beginning? Like what? I don't what know. brought you I, into this? I, um, I went. And I told you the same reason you went. Girls,
0: just us and girls, uh-huh. full class. That's where it started. Sixty girls, <laughs> loud rap music. Steve Ross, right? Played uh-huh. played. Fuck the police when we were going to yoga. We loved it, right? That's how we got started. It's amazing we have that thing. It's,
1: it's a landing pad. It's like. But then a I started going place. to peaches
0: where they taught Yoga Sutras, the Bhagavad Gita, the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. You had to study the textbook of Yoga Psychology. If you were there, you were vegan. I mean, it was like this real, hardcore yoga place, and my gurus at helped Jivamukti. me. At Mukti, yes, mm-hmm. my gurus helped me to evolve more by reminding me of what's the truth, that's in are, Yoga are, Scriptures as well. Who were those gurus? Sharon and David uh-huh. at, at Jiva Mukti. Yeah. So they, they really were removers of darkness, right, guru, the meaning of guru. So they were great for that. And uh, then I decided I liked hot vinyasa. So now I'm always in these, tr- these places that are like gyms sometimes. You know, they're just hot,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like Steve's class, but, you know, gets hot anyway, but not at 105 degrees. So right. I go to those classes all the time. I'm building a yoga studio. Yeah, I read about that. It's called Tantras? T- Tantras. Tantras. Yeah, where's that going to be? It's going to be at the entrance of the soul house.
1: Oh, wow. You know, if, if I that's taught cool. Oprah
0: through, through Bob Roth to meditate, and if I taught Ellen DeGeneres through Bob Roth to meditate, if I pushed these people with big mouths to meditate, they pushed millions. Mm-hmm. And that is an amazing, um, um, that's what I say about the big picture. So imagine if I have my Tantras, and it's there, the entrance where Sotheby's is, 9200 Sunset, and that's Tantras. That's what we're going to build out. It's going to look like a temple.
1: Is that going to be on the, which floor is that going to be? It's going to be on the ground floor, ground floor all wow. the
0: clothes and mm-hmm. the juice bar, you know, green juice bar. and i even going to have a dry bar. because I, if I, I mean, now that I have a girlfriend, it's probably fruitless, but I used to like, take girls to yoga all the time and they would say, no, I can't go because my hair would be fucked up. Mm-hmm. And so now I have, I'm going to put a dry bar. <laughs> How many girls can't go to hot yoga? You probably, you have a girlfriend, but if you didn't and you invited a girl, you'd say, I don't know, my hair. A dry bar is uh-huh. the answer. So I'm going to have a dry bar, a juice bar, clothing, and you go upstairs, there'll be three hot rooms. Probably two hot rooms and one room that can be hot,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, in case I want so to So you have, can go to yoga, and all open get up your so blow dry, people dry come and then and go teach. up
1: to Soho House afterwards.
0: Yeah, you could, if you're a member. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know how exclusive they are. But, but I went, you know, and I feel like it'll be a school of yogic science, or a, a center for yogic science. And I want to play Krishna Das and Kanye West.
2: hmm
0: and I'm going to give people, and I always say, Steve, why don't you fucking teach? Our first teacher, why don't you yeah. teach? You're deeply studied. You're a raw foodist for 40 years. Why don't you say, not preachy, just say, share with people something about the path. What are the eight parts of yoga? It's a science for happiness. Why can't you share that? People he, are happy in his class I'm saying nothing.
1: Right, and I feel like it's interesting because he... Seems to take a lot of heat for being sort of this like oh you know rock and roll yoga where you don't he doesn't really teach at all and what most people don't realize that he is one of the most practiced yogis that I've ever met. The way that that guy lives his lifestyle oh is God. like true blue, and he is an incredible. Font Eckhart Tolle lived in this backyard. <laughs> I, I went and heard Eckhart Tolle speak before he blew up and was on Oprah. He came to Steve had him come and talk at Maha, and, yeah. and they were like. Twenty people there. No yeah. one was there before. He anybody gave me the book, and there. I gave it Oprah. So how about that? Oh, you were the guy. So you're. It's
0: <laughs> I gave the book wow, to Oprah. Wow, that's interesting. She tried to say that um, Goldie Horn gave it to her. I was like, you know, I know. And Oprah is like my my girl. She actually let me talk about it last uh-huh. time we were on other on a show. I said, I didn't get a blonde woman didn't give you the book. I know it's your audience, but I gave you a book, a hip hop nigga. I didn't say nigga because Oprah, but. A hip-hop guy gave you that book. She said, I don't know. Goldie Hawn gave it to me. Helen Hunt was always there, right? Right, that's great. right. And I, and, but, and that, but in all fairness, all the people she said gave it to her as well all went to Steve's class, too. So Interesting. But I think I gave it to her first because she looked totally... When I gave it to her, we, me, her, and Gail, having lunch, uh, having early dinner at Cipriani's, and I gave her The Power of Now. And the next thing I know, you know she was blowing him up. So maybe she got it for more than one person. I gave it to her first. Mm-hmm. I told her that all the time. Wow. And we laugh about it. Why do, you,
1: why do you think that Steve is reluctant to impart his knowledge, though? Because like, there are different roles for different people, maybe.
0: Maybe Steve finds it to be preachy. Mm-hmm. And, but I see people in the class, although they're not stuck, they've been going to the class for 20 years. They have not even read the Yoga Sutras. They've right. never considered... That this idea of smile and breathe in every pose, right, this idea of the physical asana is just to, re, just to gain an asana, a seat in life. To be comfortable in your seat and operate from that space is yoga's goal. So to say it now and then in different ways is okay to me, but not to him. So people, I, I see people evolve, because Steve introduced him to yoga, many, many, many people. Um, but I, in terms of their interest in the knowledge of uh, about yoga or about yogic science, but I see people who just go to the class. It's, it's a workout. They do it regularly. They might as well go to Pilates,
1: right? I feel like on some level, though, it's also kind of an evolved perspective that he has because he understands that if you that if that seed gets planted, that you'll go on your own journey with it, like you he have, gave like me I have. A copy
0: of the Yoga Sutras, right? First. So
1: if you like, if you solicit that, he will give it to you. But if you're like, "Is my leg in the right place in this position?" He'll just say, "You're fine," because he understands. Like he's he's past not gonna that. adjust
0: you if you're a girl. <laughs> That's true he's never too. Never put his hand on me. <laughs> I don't want his hands on me, but. I he know. has never adjusted me, ever. He adjusts 800 girls per class and never touched me in
1: 22 years. So let's talk about meditation for a little bit. Uh, you're, this is something you've been doing I'm not looking to get touched, K, Steve, years. listen. All right. <laughs> I'm just I it's funny. I, I don't it's know if Steve's listening to, but Steve, we love you. Can we get
0: some green juice? That um, shit must be poison from the last time I was here, right? No, I just bought it this morning. Oh, word? Oh, good. I want one.
1: Okay. As somebody who's been, how long have you been meditating? Thirty years? No. How long have you been doing? Twenty. Years. Twenty years. All 20 right. Years.
0: I've been meditating uh, probably eighteen years.
1: Right. And if you had to encapsulate <clears throat> the benefits of meditation in your life, like how do you, how would you articulate that? My
0: name is Rush. I like my quiet time every day. Love it. Love it. It's it's self reflection. It's personal. Uh, you get a chance to, 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 um, to watch your life. If you were to be in moving meditation at all times, or if you were to find a, a second of pure stillness in meditation, uh, it, it just, it's such an enlightening thing. A joke, what happens? Everything goes away but the giggle if you get the future and the past. Mm-hmm. Meditation is to get hundreds of thoughts out of your mind slow them down to four or five or eight or ten or twelve or whatever it is or maybe one thought your mantra this idea of quieting the mind and rebooting the mind has so many benefits it's unbelievable it's like now it's not just you know the buddhists and scriptures and it's not just be still and know. it's not just a bunch of rigmarole from all the prophets all the time it's not just that crap it's science journal it backs up what they've been doing for thousands of years it's Changes the way the brain functions. It grows the gray matter in the brain. It connects the left and the right side of the brain, and it, you know, and, and that leads to better immune system, better memory, better, you know, able to, you know, function and live longer, and it does all these things for you. Mm-hmm. So now you know through science that what they've been promising you is good, is really good so that's like how could you not want to do that
1: right and I feel like I feel like meditation is having a big moment right now like it's really kind of burst onto the mainstream because of all these uh, scientific studies that are coming up with all of this information that you just spoke to um, and I think that people intellectually understand all of this and yet they can't get over that hump or they just say you know I'm just too busy like I get it but it's just never going to happen and no, know, very had a great quote. people are as busy as you are
0: so I think I do more And I do less. I meditate every single day. I don't give a fuck if I was negotiating between Putin and Obama. Some great deal that had to get done. And I was the mediator. If my last class of yoga today was going to close. I like to be with people. I like to do it. If that class wasn't going to happen because I'm stuck with these two niggas, I would leave them and say, y'all fix it yourself. (laughs) I would not miss my yoga class at at, at any time. And I would not miss my morning meditation. So first chakra first. And I think I'm a better servant because of it. And I don't make exceptions if I can help it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've so been on planes. Priority. It's priority. It's stuck on planes yoga. It's happened, but not possible. If it's possible to get there, in any city, no matter where I travel, I find yoga. Mm-hmm. And no matter where I travel, I, find, I, I sit in a space. I don't think I need to go anywhere to meditate. I don't need to go to an ashram. I sit in my bed. I sit up straight. I meditate. But the point I make is that I don't miss Taking care of myself and those two things are part of my, you know, taking care of
1: myself. And what does a meditation uh, protocol for you look like? Is like Vedic or TM? Like what kind of TM? Yeah, TM. What kind
0: of TM? I'm on the board. I love it to give it to students. Uh, I gave away a mass mantra in my book, which I know is you know everybody's mantra secret in TM. The one I paid twenty five hundred dollars for, no one knows. (laughs) I paid for the Uh motherfucker, and it's my secret, and I do use it. Who taught you, uh, Bob Roth? Uh-huh. I bet you gave a lot of niggas the same mantra, but it's okay.
1: <laughs> no one will know because everybody's you can't vibration say it. is different.
0: He can uh-huh. I don't know how these monks or teachers and I always call Steve I always call my guy a monk. Bob Roth, the guy sent to Oprah, the guy sent to everybody, like mm-hmm. Russell Brown, that guy. He's like he eats lunch, his last meal is at two o'clock. Said so his sun's fires and digestive system and I said, how did that come to that? He said, Well it's an Ayurvedic science. But how did you mm-hmm. come to do it? I came to do it. Like when you know what's right, you eventually start doing more and more of what's right until one day it becomes your routine. Mm -hmm. He lives like a, I mean, he's a monk. Mm -hmm. He hasn't had sex in 38 years. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) And so he and he said not interested. He laughed. He gets a little shy. I said you gay? You want to fuck me? No, 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 Russ. I'm not interested. Are you kidding me? That's the last thing I want to do. You want to fuck a girl? Not really. No. Do you want to meet a girl? Not really. No. Not interested. He's like a monk for real. Right. Bob Roth. Uh, who runs the, um, the Maharishi Institute or David Lynch Foundation is a beautiful, beautiful person. He taught Ellen to meditate. They call him Meditation Bob in these circles, mm-hmm. like Katie Perry and all of them that he taught. Ellen, um, what's her name? Um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, all these like, celebrities. Right. And I understood, intellectually, I understand how it is that I get a place at the table some places because I sell ideas too, the big picture but I don't get that an enlightened person would buy into the big picture in the stupid way that I do. Mm-hmm. That's why I said I kind of think it's weird that I don't like one animal, but I like a lot, of, or I care for a lot of animals. Because you should like one. Your compassion should be small or big, and it should not matter. But I think being effective matters. So teaching Oprah, or putting me at the head of the table, to ask me if I want to host a party for His Holiness the Dalai Lama. I said, my house? I said, yeah, I love hosting parties. I don't give a fuck, yeah, please, great. Twenty five hundred dollars No. 25000 or something? No. $25,000? No. If it's a birthday party, if somebody else, it's honored to have it. I am too. 25000 No. I not want to do it. I don't like... Sometimes I feel unworthy. I got three proclamations Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sunday. I put these things on my wall. I have them all over my house. These awards... Um. People, other people do the work, I get the award. Peace Week. Erica Ford does Peace Week. And every year I host, through Rush Card, I host um, the Mothers for the Deceased. Beautiful dinner in Queens. Served them vegan food. Amadou Diallo's mother, example, so many mothers who lost their children violence a greater number through police violence are in this group than I would have thought because I know it's a lot of kids killed themselves, but mm-hmm. it, it was a greater number and I realized wow you know um, there is a great percentage of these kids anyway they had, have they've been very very successful the I love my life life camp program, and I support it and I support that dinner. I got three proclamations state councilman the, the state senator uh, you know if I'm getting all these awards for it, these people are doing all this work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All I do is support it, tweet about it, and raise the money and give them money. Mm-hmm. So I got my shit and I, I don't devalue it. I still like the proclamations more than the gold records, but I realize it's just playing a role next to the person who's doing the work. God right. favors those who are doing the work, I'm sure, over those who are just, you know, high on Bill Gates. I gave, I, they probably like him too. I give up. Hundred billion dollars, whatever. the Fuck he gave, but the guy in the jungle, administering the drug, saving the animal, the person, the whatever, the guy who's struggling and giving, you know, with, with purpose, he's favored for sure. Mm-hmm. If there's like you know did that kind of it's god, boots I don't... on the ground, hand to hand service. You know what it person. is, boots on the ground, some shit. That's someone, what's wrong with her? Yeah. She be out there holding dead animals and shit, laying inside plastic. Blood all over, looking like a piece of meat, naked. (laughs) I walked at it, I was like, really? You know, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I fund it if she wants to go get naked, cover herself in plastic (laughs) in 100-degree weather (laughs) and lay down in the street picture went well, around the all world. Vo- it, it goes good.
1: back to all voices, you know? All we need, voices, We need the happy exactly. vegan, and we, need, we do need the vegan. Yeah, but I'm going to meditation, you know I
0: mean? I'm going to yoga. Right. I'm going to go sit up in that, I- that theater, with the expensive theater with the big seats, uh-huh. and watch me go crossroads. while she's go to crossroads, <laughs> you know what I mean, while she's out there laying in blood. So right. Laying in blood is probably
1: better. Uh-huh. Uh, as, as someone who's walking this path of ahimsa, no harm, you know, how has this affected Over, by shell toe adidas we, no. for instance <laughs> i like that i want to call
0: them niggas i think uh, it's time they can they haven't given me any money they just redid pharrell's deal he I, his red shell toes i wear them they're red but they're leather and i want to see if
1: it's time now can i, it's, yeah, I keep we talking. need we need more cool vegan shoes that's for sure say that to so, adidas we're gonna call Adidas yeah, right after we get up this, that should be something you should look into and solve, i want to speak to you them, know what whoever
0: mean? the boss boss is I don't know, his, I mean, his, how do you do his that his predecessor somebody... that was the predecessor before the predecessor could remember, or whatever, the guy back, could remember that the song saved their life and these shell toes saved their company and we can make these uh, vegan and I can I brand them and I can give them money to charity. And I want like them a, to do that. That's
1: like a no-brainer.
0: It's a no-brainer. Cost them nothing. It's additional. I see too many old motherfuckers walking around shell toes. I was hanging out with, with Mar- Right now promoting. M- in the movie. Yeah, right. Marlon Wayans, Tyrese, uh, the other Wayans, who was having a baby with my niece Vanessa, all of us were sitting around in white on white shell toes. What the fuck? I was like, uh, I thought that we, you know, I was like, old people still buy sneakers, and we buy a lot of us buy shell toes, and young people be rocking shell toes. My daughter, Rita, Aura made some new shell toes. I want,
1: I want these niggas give money. All right, all right, so. This path of Ahimsa, like how has this, in the long term, like impacted your relationships, and how has it influenced how you parent your kids? Huh.
0: I make my kids read my books and write reports on them. <laughs> my, well, I, I, I don't do, do shit. That, oh, no, my, Trapper? My, no, no. My ex-wife makes my kids read my books uh-huh. and do reports on them, but she has um alligator Birkenback. She gets everything I want to teach my kids. She teaches them what she wants to teach them. They're A students. They're great people. They, they want, one of them wants to run Goldman Sachs. And so that's why she's in a certain boarding school, because she wanted to go there when she was 11, because that's where her plan was. And she's inspired to do that. The other one, I sent her to boarding school with her, because she had 200,000 Instagram followers, and she just turned the shit on. And the mother's famous, and she's in Beverly Hills. i like, mm-hmm. you know what? You can go take your ass to that country, too, and go to boarding school. The mother doesn't want me to tell what country they're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's going to go to that country and kidnap them. But then, I'm not going to say. But they're in a boarding school, a great boarding school. And it's good for, if you want to be in Goldman Sachs, and it's good if you don't want to be a Beverly Hills brat. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but they're in a good boarding school. They have to wash their own clothes.
1: Uh-huh. Oh. And are your are your daughters vegan or no? No, no, they're not. No, uh-huh. they're not. But at least they don't eat
0: American meat. Uh huh. Their mother is very conscious of what American poison they serve them because their mother and their stepfather, their stepfather read my book. They reads my book. She's a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know, he isn't. He called me. and says, "You know what? I just read beef gives you cancer." I said, "You read my fucking book." Mm-hmm. He's yeah, but none of the scientific study. I said, "I was quoting scientific studies." It's like, you know, people are like, your friends don't believe you. Her husband, Tim, is my friend. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, all right, Russell, you and your happy vegan shit. You know, probably, He's probably a conservative, but never talked politics with me. And uh, he's very sweet. He's like one of those guys, you know, measured, because he runs Goldman Sachs Asia. He's brilliant, mm-hmm. smart, good influence on my kids in many ways. But, you know, we almost got in a fight with some Albanians when in, in, we were on vacation together. I was on his boat. He's about to blow up their car. He's not a joke. He's a smart, strong German guy, like, you know, straight, straight Arnold Schwarzenegger type nigga. Great. My kids love him. He's loving, he's hardworking, he's family first. And, um, but he's a, you know, he's a different guy to me. So he read my book. It's a good book, Russell. I like the way he asked, me. he gave me notes, everything. But then when he read it and it's somewhere else, he tells me what I said it's in my book. And it just reminded me how friends, re- right. how friends respond to you. I can't make none of my friends do shit.
1: No, it's interesting. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, that, it right? doesn't work that way. Your close yeah, friend's are like, fuck you. No, they don't listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: Oprah, yeah. I get her to meditate. Yeah. Well, Kamara made my kids sit still with me for two years. Right. She'd walk in the room where we'd meditate every morning before school. And if she catches one of them with their eyes open, they're in trouble. If she catches one of them giggling and playing, she's in trouble. Sit your ass fucking down. And when they sit down, they would disappear. But if she walked in and they weren't, just do it again. Mm-hmm. Say, Come on, just <laughs> make them meditate. She, she would make them do, and I always worry that they'll do what she does, which is not bad, it's just different, instead of what I, what she says. Well, that's bad. What she does, some things she does, um, <clears throat> it's just the way of the world. Mm-hmm. She has all the best bags, all the best stuff. She's a high-end fashion designer. She has a shop on Beverly and she makes beautiful, expensive stuff. And, and my daughter's like, they, they want this scarf. So I take it by the scarf. I can't say no to nothing because I'm the dad who doesn't even live there. So, mm-hmm. fuck you. so they live in a, another country in boarding school. So when they come home and daddy takes them shopping, I took them to Soho. I showed them all this beautiful shit. There was these, like, these handmade, beautiful silk and cotton scarf with ohms all over them. It looked real fashiony, right? And they were really nice you've probably seen these kind of things but not, mm. not this fabric it was beautiful they're like $40 they're really
2: nice I
0: don't think they were handmade I mean they were really sweet I go to Chanel I see a little bullshit scarf made out of fake cheap ass fabric it's like $1200 she said this is the one I want mm-hmm. I collect Chanel scarves so I got her a Chanel scarf I took her out in the street and I bought her a piece of jewelry from one of the vendors in the street right. that she wears to this day it's very beautiful, and that was handmade, and it cost nothing. And you could walk in, you know, Hermès and buy a little piece of plastic shit to wrap around your wrist. This shit is five hundred dollars. It's unbelievable, the what, what branding can do, um, and the way it affects people and how people buy into it and why they buy. I don't know why all. Sometimes the quality of shit is is, is good. on had on some sweater, and I like touching it. We went to the movie she had bought the theater out for Ming's birthday. Had all of our friends from school, ex-friends from school, come. I went, but my girlfriend. It was fun. We watched that movie, with The Three Girls. Not that good. Like the grown-up version of uh, Project X. Uh huh. What was it called? Girls. Know it. You know Simone. Girlfriends. No, they just now know. came out.
1: Sister. Oh, sister. Yeah. yeah like that. a grown Dropper.
0: version of a uh, of uh, Project X. I didn't see. It, I heard that. it. It was, it was pretty bad, but it was funny moments throughout the whole thing. It wasn't for old. Project X people It was crazy But anyway We went there And, um, and she had this Like coat, scarf And I touched her What the fuck is this like, Who makes this She said you don't know She said it costs more Than your car Because <laughs> <laughs> is really rich uh-huh. She said it costs more Than your car asshole You should know And, and my girlfriend said, that's Chanel So it was a particular Kind of a coat That's like a scarf Or whatever the fuck I don't know if it costs More than my car But it was Nice enough That I touched it Like wow that's nice just get your paws off it. <laughs> right. So well, Anyway. All right, yeah. What do you think about that the branding thing?
1: Well, I think it's incredibly powerful. On some level, people want to pay more you know they want to be associated with a certain mark, you know, a certain label because that, you know, says something about who they are and where they stand in the world. So, psychologically, I think it's really complicated, you know. Look, it's you're you're a ma- you're a belief. master marketer. Like you I understand you, got, you understand this, how this works. But it's
0: just it's I mean, but you know, I like my clothing, I I, I moved them to Pennies. I I do I'm telling you, moving your clothes from Pennies to Macy's from pay, Macy's, there is a moment where there's a certain thing you have to you quality-wise that you have to figure your way around or don't make something or something you can't make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a difference. Those two price points are you know, not dramatically different, but there's a real difference. So in the shirt, the construction of a certain shirt at a certain moment, certain Argyle sweater can't have as many colors it will cost. There's a moment. Mm-hmm. But, but the moment between you know, the $1,200 scarf and the $200 scarf doesn't exist that I'm aware of. How, how do you. So I, but I want to service pennies because I want to make the same quality for Macy's and put in pennies. Right, Which, and for the most part, is what I'm doing. And I'm going to ship 300 stores in
1: next month. Are all the garments that you make vegan? Like, how do you reconcile like, being a vegan I don't and have any being leather clothes. in commerce at that level? I don't have where any leather. I um, don't Ultimately compromises. I don't make
0: and, anything that's non vegan. Uh-huh. Uh, I wear leather Adidas. I'm calling them now, like we said. I don't really make a well wear leather coats because they're too blatant and obvious mm-hmm. um, I don't, and I don't like them and um, you know like, people get mad because like my book they said I said I ate fish off my friend's plate sometimes or I cheated or whatever like a lot of animal rights people like fuck you you're already vegan leave me alone I don't care what you think
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I did eat fish off my friend's plate I don't know if I got mercury poison a little bit I have to plate but you know I did um and, and so I wrote a letter and said, I wrote, I wrote chicken and fish. No, I don't eat chicken off people's plate. And in the beginning of the year, I go complete, like I'm more of a monk. Towards the end of the year, I start lighting up, having a glass of red wine, doing dumb shit. All the way to New Year's Eve, where I act a fucking full. But, but mostly, I live a very straight life. And like, I probably won't have, I won't probably eat fish off somebody's plate till August. Who knows when the fuck I'll do that? I mostly don't do these things, mm-hmm. but I like people, you know, it's accessible. I'm real. We fall off the wagon. We get back on it, this stuff. I want people to be able to digest this message and not feel threatened by it.
1: Yeah, I think what happens is, is people find a reason to disconnect from it because they just find it to be so inaccessible or impossible. Like, yeah. God, there's no way I could live my life that monastically, so I'm not even going to try.
0: Yeah, so the absolute is not always easy. Um, I do believe though, like I'm always good at picking a day and say, I'm not going to do this after that day. I'm not going to have one instead of two. I'm not going to have one cigarette instead of two. That's just stupid to me. Some people are good at weaning themselves off bad ideas. I mostly get rid of them.
1: Mm -hmm. What do you think is the biggest misconception about you that you'd like to Correct.
0: I don't think there's any misconceptions. I'm so transparent. People probably know I'm a piece of shit in ways that I am and that <laughs> I'm, I'm a servant in ways that I am and, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. don't know. Well, I look at black blogs and say, that I hate my mother because I'm dating a, a, this blonde girl, right? And I said she, was, she said she was 20, but she's actually 28. I said she was 40 years younger than me, but she's actually 30 years younger than me. Anyway, what was interesting is... Uh, Like, I could date, like, um, I date, I have dated anything. They say Only dates white women. Doesn't like himself. You know, I mean, I've seen that lately. That was yesterday. That's why I noticed, anyway, yesterday. But, I mean, I love everybody. I really like all kinds of people. I love diversity. I'm interested in, Minister Farrakhan is my second father, and I work to fight anti-Semitism for a living. I don't have a point. I'm not an angry liberal. Roger Ailes is my friend. I believe he believes himself. I don't believe a word he says. I try mm-hmm. to tell him why I believe what I believe. I let people be. That's not a mistake. Everybody wants me to be on their side. If they know me and if I'm working for them in some capacity, they say, why don't I just be on their side? Why would I say I cheat when I'm vegan? Why would I say, you know, people get disappointed that, they said, why would you go on Fox News? I said, well, you know, talk, have an argument with O'Reilly. We don't even yell. He and I, when I, you know, you're feeding them. You know, they're gonna be okay already. They're already a big show. Uh, they have more ratings than everybody. Can we give them a, a sli- and say it in a way people can digest it? Can we say things in a way that other sides? The idea of having imams and rabbis talk was a horrible idea at one time. We're doing it in 50 countries, having imams in synagogues and rabbis in mosques. Um, I feel like that's the, the thing. Mm-hmm. like uh people think that i should be one way or another and i don't know how to be any of those ways
1: i think it's really <clears throat> interesting that you're able to have these friendships with people that are on you know a very different side of the fence from roger ailes and this kind of famous relationship that you have with donald trump and that kind of head vi- well yeah the viral sure. moment of writing the letter him, oh and been, and been I've a lot of shit you. so yeah. everybody wanted me to ask you if you've talked to him since <clears> the, I the letter i have not spoken to him. you haven't uh-huh
0: and um I don't know if he's going to call me until he wins the nomination. No, until he wins the presidency. <laughs> he said, I'm going to get 100% of the black vote. That was the best line I've ever heard. Uh, what are you talking about? The, black, the blacks, they love me. Yeah. He said that.
1: It's interesting. But, uh, but I mean, that aside... The fact that you can be friends with people that, that share a very different point of view, I think, is a, is a really kind it's of powerful thing. Can... And I think it's unusual. People have difficulty understanding how that could possibly be. They right? said so I'm an i an asshole
0: like... for having had a friendship. I'm, to me and Reverend Jackson, was, was, there's was a story in the New York Times about our opinions, about his statements. And, and uh, both of them said that's a different Trump than we know. You know, we both said things that were not so bad about him, uh, attacked his words, but not him. And he said we were both sellouts. Like if I had been a civil rights activist that who, had been Wait, paid. who said that? It was a big story on an important black blog. I, and I say important, like one of the ones that it, where, you know, it's not a blog like a, a, a gossip. It was like, you know, a news blog. Mm-hmm. And it was this editorial written about how this perfect example of what sellouts look like and sound mm-hmm. like. And it come from that New York Times article. But I find it's okay. I mean, because a Republican governor was the one that... The most important thing I've ever done is change the Rockefeller drug laws. Thousands of people came home from jail. It was a Republican governor who signed the bill and gave me the pen because I was friendly with Governor Pataki. Um, And that helped to build a bridge. And I negotiated between Senator Bruno and Shelley Silva the deal. I got in trouble with the lobbyists, too. It cost me a lot of money, but that's another subject. But it it's okay to get along with people you disagree with. In fact, it's critical that we all try to put ourselves in other people's shoes because I believe that we all have the same hopes, desires. Uh, um, you know, We're all inspired by the same kinds of things. We want to love and be loved. Um, and, I, and I know that there are some small differences that really exist in us, uh, and that's from socialization or whatever and... and and we have to get over those and find the sameness, mm-hmm. and work on you know operating from that space on, mm-hmm. and that's and that's an important kind of um, that's a premise to operate from. You know, I right. think for it's easy, right, right, Easier life is easier if you decide to love people rather than judge well, it's, them.
1: It's a, it comes from empathy. Like once you, you develop a capacity or a reservoir for empathy. But, And you're able to kind of see somebody else's point of view. Even if you don't share it, you can understand it in a certain way that I think, like, allows you to build a bridge. Yeah.
0: So the book's The Happy Vegan. It's an easy way out for those who think it's difficult to become vegan. A very easy way out. It also is a little bit about your personal health, a lot about your personal health and how the American factory farming industry is poisoning you. The book could be called The Happy Vegan or The Poisoning of America. There is no one protecting you. The FDA is not protecting you. No one is. And they're giving you food that's causing cancer and heart disease and, and diabetes. and I mean, there's just a lot of crap that's being fed to us. It's not, and, and so we have to make choices ourselves to save our families. If we're adults, we want to keep eating the same barbecue beef that if you eat as a 30-year protein, it's 20 cigarettes a day, so much carcinogens you're ingesting. If you want to have 20 cigarettes a day, go right ahead. Shoot yourself in the head if you like. Don't do it to your kids. Don't share. Don't say, I had a hot dog, my kid could have a hot dog, because your hot mm-hmm. dog is different from your kid's hot dog. Um, so it talks about the compassion issue, which is, I think, a critical one—a comic disaster. And it talks about the fact that if we keep it up, there won't be an added, there won't be a uh, inhabitable planet for human beings uh, very soon. So that that threat is looming. Your cancer is is a threat that's looming, and your karma is being destroyed. So let's try to move away from that toward the plant-based diet, and and. Um, become better servants of God if we're God-fearing, better servants of our community if we love our community, if we feel connected. Let's make that a better mantra. So the book's available. That's it.
1: I love it, man. Yeah, one out of uh, every three Americans will die of heart disease. By 2030, 50% of Americans will be diabetic or pre-diabetic. 70% of Americans are obese or overweight. Meanwhile, we're destroying the planet at an unfathomable rate. The amount of water, land... Uh, resources required to run our current food system and animal agriculture is reprehensible. It's polluting our oceans at an alarming rate. It's causing species extinction. It's raping the rainforests. And the karmic debt that we're accumulating by this massive slaughter is unjustifiable on every level. And with respect to the health statistics, I imagine that they uh, increase precipitously Uh, when you look at the African American population and as you slide down the socioeconomic scale, uh, we're at a crisis point. Um, I think we're also at a very interesting and exciting moment where openness to the vegan movement, to the vegan lifestyle, to trying to live our, our life in a more sustainable sort of, you know, karmically aligned way has never been, you know, more, uh, well received or, or in vogue and, um, I, like yourself, share a certain level of optimism for that. And I appreciate your level of advocacy and activism in this arena because you could be doing anything with your free time and you're making this choice to do this, which I think speaks to you and and your character. And I think it's awesome to see where this is all going to be heading.
0: That's a a great wrap-up. I mean, all that stuff's in the book and all that obvious stuff that you and I discussed and the way you repeated it and wrapped it up is brilliant because... It's kind of, you can't argue with that. You know, the argument that's built around, and you said one interesting thing I want to add to. You said that it's becoming in vogue, uh, books like this are are becoming more accessible, likely be a Times bestseller, the other ones have. It's likely to be visible in places like Dr. Oz took us on and, you know, everybody's taking us on. So we're on these shows, we're getting this this voice out. But we absolutely have to do it. So I think that's why it's involved. Like, you have to do it.
1: <laughs> we're going like to fucking up, you know. die. You know? You're going to be plant-based whether you like it or not exactly. if this planet exists long enough because we can't continue to feed the planet the way that we're doing it. It, yes. does, it just doesn't work that's any right. other way. It
0: doesn't work. So. Thank you so much for having me on your yeah. blog, man. I Thanks, love Matt. talking to like-minded people. You're not angry that I tell you. this. <laughs> I share with you information and you spit it back at me, you know, even more concise. So it's really, really important. To, to spread the word and do it the way that they can digest it because uh, Simone's going to kick him in the ass. So we'll say it right. nicely and Simone, you can kick him in the ass and that's what Thank you so much. All right, man. Thanks. Peace. Great to talk to
1: you, Russell. Peace. That was good. Blance. All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, definitely uh, unique. Tyler, what did you think?
3: Yeah, it was a great free kind of cool, galactic conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit uh, different, a little less straightforward than my typical conversations, but he's so charismatic. Uh, he has such a big personality, and I thought it was really engaging. I think there's some good takeaways there. Uh, so anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to make a point of checking out the show notes on the episode page for this week. Lots of uh, links to take your edification and your infotainment beyond uh, the earbuds. And uh, I've got Tyler Pyatt here in the podcast studio. Say hi, Ty. Hi. So Tyler, uh, many of you know, has been my producer. He's my son, my stepson. Uh, And I think from day one, pretty much, Tyler has been boots on the ground, the guy who assembles the podcast week in, week out. Uh, The theme music that you hear was uh, performed by Tyler and Harrison, right? I think Harrison actually wrote the theme music.
3: Yeah, Harry and I, Harry did like the... Like the little ditty, and then I just did some chords
1: on top of it. We did it in the warehouse, right, quiet on like the laptop right I know that around. well, <laughs> the funny thing about the theme music is that uh, when we first started the podcast, episode one, I went to you guys, and I was like i need I need some theme music. can you guys like mock something up it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be great. I just need something to get going, and we can replace it later and you guys did it in like an hour, and that's still the theme music, <laughs> and the idea was that I was gonna swap it out with something a little more you know you spend a little more time and make something a little more I don't know whatever, and it just kind of stuck and to this day it's still the theme music,
3: yeah, it's kind of funny i I remember like you've you've asked me a bunch of times to like you know see if I you know was inspired to like
1: do more and
3: um nothing ever happened well actually i i <laughs> i did i I've had a couple ideas but uh funny enough, like they weren't any more like energetic and and one I just liked so I just I wrote a song around it and just Oh, it became a song? Took it for myself,
1: yeah. Oh, well, thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still waiting for the new theme music, so there's a door wide open for that when you guys can get it together. Once
3: I record that song, I'll I'll give it to you. All right, cool.
1: So the reason that uh, Tyler is joining me for the outro to this episode is for two different reasons. The first reason is that I just wanted to thank him formally and on air for all the hard work that he's done. Um, Tyler is going to be moving on, and we're going to get into that in a second. Um, but thank you, Tyler. I know that you've been very devoted and dedicated to making sure that this show is, could, could be you know, the best that it could be. Every week, uh, Tyler's the guy that puts the whole thing together. So he's going to be uh, moving on to greener pastures. And before he departs, I just wanted to give him a shout out on air and say thank you
3: yeah thank you it means a lot yeah it's been a family
1: affair from from day one it's going to feel weird to have uh somebody else working on it and i don't know who that person is going to be yet Uh, i should probably look into that i'm probably going to have to edit these myself uh, for a little while until we find somebody to step in and and take over that responsibility but uh, you've done a great job and you're a big part of um you know this show and uh the success that it's garnered, and uh, it's been great working with you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. So Tyler is moving on because, uh, first and foremost, Tyler is a musician. Uh, He is in a band. They just named the band. It's called Analemma, A-N-A, and then new word, Lemma, L-E-I-M-M-A. And that band is comprised of Tyler, who writes songs and performs basically – every instrument <laughs> mainly a guitar player but yeah. you play every instrument and trapper who's sitting over in the corner over there who plays drums say hey trapper hello how's it going trapper was with me for the russell episode what did you think of russell he's very charismatic but he's going to talk about what he wants to talk about yeah so it was it's kind of like, it's, it's
3: kind of the thing where he's he's just talking and you kind of have to adjust around him
1: right And that's the thing, I think, with really charismatic, successful people like that. But it was fun, right? It was fun to meet him. He was super cool. We hung out and chatted for quite a long time after the podcast, and he couldn't have been more engaging, and it was a good time. But anyway, uh, Trapper's the drummer in the band, and Harrison Mathis, who's my nephew, is also in the band, as well as Dylan Brosnan. Mm -hmm. And these guys are getting ready to record their first album. Uh, They've outfitted our garage and transformed it into a professional recording studio, and they're going to be recording on 24-track analog, right? So you have this giant console in the garage uh, that looks like a relic from, like, uh, Cape Canaveral in the 1960s, (laughs) you know, with the reel-to-reel tapes and the whole thing. Uh, It's quite a production. They've been trying to uh, get this whole thing configured and ready for quite some time, and now the day has arrived uh, so they're going into the studio to do that, and that's going to obviously monopolize all of Tyler's time. Uh, these guys are extremely talented. The music is really unique and quite beautiful. I think it's unlike uh, anything you've ever heard. And we're going to take uh, we're going to take the show out today with a demo of one of their songs. It's called "Be Still." I think Tyler would want me to say that it is indeed a demo. This was not recorded in in analog, right? No, this is
3: like. Um, I mean it is digital it still sounds good but yeah I mean it's not the not the final yeah, not feel, the final final but good enough where we feel you know comfortable putting it out and sharing and um yeah a good reason for like people to sort of start getting involved other than like we are a band which just doesn't really mm-hmm. count for anything like there's no so we kind of are reviving our pathetic facebook page and so trying to get this i know script. you just
1: put a face you, you're very social media resistant uh you know yeah. so you're, you're not exactly engaged online but now the day has kind of arrived where you kind of have to step into that world a little bit so they put up a facebook page uh it's facebook.com forward slash analemma music A-N- yeah analemma music uh-huh. a-n-a-l-e-i-m-m-a music so yeah. check that out and how would you describe the band and your music um, I would
3: say it is like, um, sort of like a really candid, uh, kind of left-of-field singer-songwriter core. So like Harry and I just write with an acoustic guitar to start most times, and and then kind of like building around sort of like a Nick Drakey, Neil Youngy type mm-hmm. of core, like a lot of atmospheric and ambient touches that are really like I don't know. We we want it to be like forward-thinking and very. Um, spatial, so that you kind of, I don't know, get like a vibe, and there's a there's like a setting for the mm-hmm. song that's unique and interesting and transporting.
1: Right, yeah, it's sort of it has a Nick Drake, uh, Bob Dylan vibe, but also very influenced by bands like Radiohead and Grizzly Bear, and quite uh, interestingly, you have Chris from Grizzly Bear who's kind of been mentoring you guys, and you're going to start another reason why you're you're. Stopping with the podcast is you're gonna start um working with him on production stuff right
3: yeah i'm yeah I'm gonna be like uh yeah his like assistant
1: a few days a week so right start which is cool. start tomorrow morning yeah cool yeah so sure. we're gonna we're gonna take the show out with be still um anything you want to say about this particular song and what it's all about
3: um let me think um I mean, yeah, this has been an interesting song it's gone through like a lot of a lot of changes um and yeah i mean it's it's kind of like uh yeah it it this one definitely has kind of more of like a neil young thing going on but um yeah i mean it's just it's just kind of about connecting and trying to connect with people and and having your own kind of inner dialogue about it it's very impressionistic so i think people can get whatever they want out of it um and i think just in terms of the emotion uh yeah i mean it it's kind of it's very like melancholic, I think that's sort of a thread that runs through everything I do artistically mm-hmm. and and yeah, I mean, I mean hopefully it's like it's kind of has a bit of a calm thing to it, but also you know still has some edges that we left on it so um yeah, I mean we really hope you like it i want to give uh I want to give credit to obviously my bandmates and also uh Jimmy Hory, who was a guy that we work worked with for a long time who uh contributed a lot to this song mm-hmm.
1: so hey Jimmy. Yeah. It's a really beautiful song, uh, and we're going to play it in a second. But before we do that, a couple quick announcements. Uh, I've got a new video up on the YouTube page. It's called Vegan on $25. It's short. It's fun. Uh, Trapper, who's here, helped me out with it, and he appears on screen too. We had a lot of fun making that video. You can check that out on my YouTube page. It's just youtube.com forward slash Roll. Uh, add me on Snapchat. I am Rich Roll. I am Roll. I'm doing uh, daily little videos there and have a lot of fun with that. Um, check out Julie's new podcast Divine Through Line, her spiritual musings on the Divine Through Line in life uh, sharing her experience and very musically based. and you just guessed it on on your mom's podcast too, right?
3: Yeah, I did yeah. if uh, yeah if you like uh, if you like the first song I want to try something different. there's like a, there's an acoustic performance I did of another song uh on it's on our Facebook and on her Facebook and, her. and Twitter. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Or just you can hear it performed on her podcast. Yeah. yeah. Performed. Yeah. So check that out. Of course, for all your plant powered and RRP swag and merch, go to Richroll.com. We got all kinds of cool stuff there. Keep sending in your questions for future QA podcast, at info at richroll.com. And thanks so much, you guys, to everybody out there who has supported the show by telling your friends, sharing it on social media. We love you guys. Uh, Of course, thank you to everybody who has been using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. And if you're interested in uh, listening to the entire RRP catalog beyond the most 50 recent episodes that you can find on iTunes, uh, check out our free mobile app for your iOS devices. You can find that in the App Store or on iTunes. So that's it. Thanks so much, Tyler. I love you. I appreciate all the hard work that you've put into the the show, and uh, I wish you luck in this venture. I think it's going to be really successful, and it's going to be really exciting to see how this plays out. and uh, And it's just it's a pleasure and an honor for me to introduce. Uh, this song and your band to my audience. Yeah, thank you,
3: and thanks to all the listeners and everyone. It's been amazing, and won't be going too far, I'm sure.
1: All so. right. So, "Be Still" by Analemma, written by Tyler. Did you write this with Harrison, or did you write this on your own?
3: Um, I I kind of started it, but really we all we all shaped it into what it is. So I right. think it's a group effort for sure.
1: And your lead vocals, lead vocals, lead yeah. vocals on that. All right. Enjoy, you guys. Peace. Plants. See you soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.